came uh, to the school and we were meeting at Jefferson School. Raise your hand if you ever came there at all. All right, keep your hands up if you were part of the core team. You were part of that core team. You actually helped. You did the dirty work of planning it. Okay, great. You can, you can put down your hands. That really was a sweet season, wasn't it? I'm not, not to say that I'm not glad to be where we're at today, but it really was a sweet season back then. I mean, getting up at, I don't know, 6 a.m., you thought you had it early, had to get up early here. We were at 5.30, 6 a.m. We, we had to depend on somebody to grab the trailer, and so we had a team of people grabbing the trailer. We had a team of people who helped set up the worship center, a team of people who helped set up the kids ministry areas, the, the, the lobby. I mean, it was a really cool time that we all gathered together. And here's the thing. There's absolutely no way that I could have done it on my own. In fact, some of you were on the team before I was. As you were praying, you, you, you went through the, the years of waiting for God to bring the man. And so it takes a group of people to plant a church, doesn't it? It takes a group of people to make church happen. We have three elders, and there's just no way that we could do it on our own. There's no way we would be a church today if it wasn't for all of us coming together, doing the part that God has called us to play. And that's the truth, isn't it? That the church is about all of us. Church isn't, isn't just about the elders, isn't just about the pastor. The church is about all of the people coming together. He has gifted each of us to serve the church. And it's true that we're stronger together, isn't it? We are stronger together. And when things in Acts started heating up, it becomes more essential here. It became more essential that other people stepped up to the plate. And we're going to see a new church planted in Antioch this morning, and they were faithful Christians who were willing to go preach the gospel to people who weren't like them. There were people who were uniquely gifted for certain tasks in the church, and everyone had to carry their own weight. And in Acts, we see this beautiful picture of Christians not only thinking of their own local church, but also the big C church. And so follow along with me. We're in Acts chapter 11. Uh, follow along with me as I start reading in verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Verse 27. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And 
one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the testimony of Mark and what happens when the church comes together and does what it's supposed to do, Lord, and how you love the prayers of your people, Lord. God, you love the church and you established it and you made it so that all believers, every single believer has been gifted with some form or fashion, some way in order to serve the church. And so, Lord, I thank you. We thank you for the reminder here. And I pray, Lord, that you would give wisdom to those who are listening, Lord, that you would allow me to share what I need to share, Lord, that that you would open up our eyes and our hearts, open up our ears, that we would hear what we need to hear, Lord, so that we would be a part of the church, Lord, that we would do what we are called to do. And the main thing would be, Father, to glorify you by making disciples, Lord. Everything we do, may it be for your glory. So God, be glorified today. Thank you that you are with us, Lord. Where two or more are gathered, you are surely with us. God, that, that is our hope. That's what makes us distinct from the rest of the world. It's not anything in and of ourselves, but it's your presence with us. So, so Lord, be a strong presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's just jump right in this morning. There are three things I want us to take notice of this, in light of what we are to do in the light of what the church is. And so here's the first thing. Somebody has to go. Why not you? Somebody has to go. In verse 19, we are reminded of what happened after Stephen was persecuted. If you remember, he was stoned to death and persecution broke out all throughout Jerusalem and and the disciples scattered. And there was a large group of them that said that went as far as Phoenicia, that's north of Jerusalem, Cyprus, that's an island northwest of Jerusalem, and Cyrene, which was far west. But praise God, and, and what that happened is they went, but notice who they preached to. In the end of verse 19, speaking the word to no one except Jews. And so a lot of these people went out, but at this point, it was just thinking that salvation was only for the Jews. Verse 20, though, good news. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. So Cyrene, again, is far west. Cyprus is an island. These men who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And so if you remember last week, uh, Peter had a dream. Uh, Cornelius received this vision from an angel and he went to Peter. And it was made clear to Peter that Jesus came to save not just the Jews but all who would believe and repent. Good news for us, right? Because most of us, if not all of us, are not Jewish. And so here we see the advancement of the gospel moving outside of the Jewish nation to the Gentiles. And notice, if, if you're like me and you saw the word Hellenist, it brings your mind back to earlier in Acts. Uh, remember when there were issues within the church 
of the widows of the Hellenists being left out of the daily provisions. So they went to them seeking help. Well, so weren't they Jewish? And the truth is they were. See, the Hellenist Jews were those Jews who were dispersed out of Jerusalem, but they didn't come back. Then they had come back to Jerusalem. And while they were out, though, they became Greek-speaking. And so these were the Hellenists back in early in Acts were Greek-speaking Jews, but the Hellenists here are actually referring to non-Jewish Greek-speaking people. And, and it makes it clear when you see uh, the, the, the context here, when it speaks of, they speak to no one except Jews, and then verse 20, that first word is, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, spoke to the Hellenists. And so these were non-Jewish people. This is like the first big movement to plant a non-Jewish church. Praise God for his work in the people here. And notice, what did they preach? They preached Christ. They preached the good news. They preached salvation is for all who repent of their sin, who turn away, who understand that they are fallen apart from Christ. And they place their faith in Christ to be their Savior. For those who understand, it's only through the blood of Christ that we are saved, right? We've talked about that. That's something that we speak of every, every week. We have to be reminded we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not because their nationality. Salvation isn't received based on how many good works we do. It's based on the good works of Christ that were performed on the cross for our sin. And notice there, there's some interesting wording here in verse 21. Look at that. It says, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, I, I do not like English. I, I prefer math all day long. But that's some interesting English there. Because notice, it, it doesn't say, And everyone who believed turned to the Lord. It said a great number who believed turned to the Lord. That would make it seem and shows that there were people who believed in Jesus. There were people who believed that Jesus was real, but they didn't necessarily turn their lives over to Christ. Brothers and sisters, the same is true for us. And my fear is that there are churches full of people who say they believe in Jesus, but they have not turned their lives over to him. They're still living their own life. There hasn't been repentance. Maybe there's been like a confession saying, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I just want a fire escape. I'm going to live my own life because it's my life. I get to do what I want to do. But, hey, yeah, sure, I'll take Jesus. I'll, I'll take a, a free pass out of fire. And so we must understand first and foremost here that believing that there is a God, believing that Jesus existed is not simply enough. But when we truly believe in Jesus, our lives take a turn. Our lives take a 180 degree turn. We're walking in one direction. Repentance means we've taken about face and we go and walk a different direction. And so one of the first things we need to ask ourselves this morning is, have I really turned to Jesus? Or have I just confessed something with my lips? You see, a true confession of the lips will transform the heart. When the heart is transformed, the life looks different than what it looks like, than it looked like before Jesus. Does that define your life? 
Is he changing you into a new creation? That's what it means to turn to the Lord. And I want you to notice something else. Who were the people who went to Antioch? Who were they? We don't really know. We just know that they, there were some from these different places who went. They weren't super apostles who had amazing talents per se. They were people who followed the call of taking the gospel to the end of the earth. Somebody had to go. And so they were compelled, not by somebody saying, hey, you should do this, but they were compelled because they have tasted and seen. They tasted and saw that the Lord was good. And because of that, how could they not go? That's what we're called to do too. Have you tasted and seen that Jesus is good? When we come to salvation, it may not be pretty at the beginning, but what happens is as we see God's transforming grace take place in our lives, we realize that we're still a mess, but we still see him conforming us to the image of his son. That's tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And we can go to people and say, look, I know your life's a wreck. My life is still kind of a wreck, but Jesus is transforming me. He's making me into a new creation. That's what we are called to do, to go. Every one of us. Every one of us is called to do that. Brad and Jen McCohen packed up their house this weekend. And they were supposed to be here this morning, but circumstances didn't allow that to happen. But they are headed to Indy to plant a church in downtown inner city. A hard place to go. Where there's far more outward sins than maybe we see here. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily less wicked. <laughs> but a much harder place to plant a church. Now, Brad is not Superman. In fact, if he was here, I'd tell him that Jen is far more like Wonder Woman than he is like Superman. But they are desperate for God to move. And, and so they aren't going because they're amazing people and God saw this amazing talent in them. Rather, they're answering the bell. There are people who need Jesus in the inner city. I'm not saying we all need to go to the city, but we are all called to go, Right? We are all called to go to our neighbors, to our co-workers. And maybe we even start in our own families first. But we are called to go. Do you realize, Christian, that you may be the only Christian that people in your sphere of influence ever see? You might be the only Jesus people in your life will ever meet. Kind of a frightening thought, isn't it? Makes us ask ourselves, man, what kind of image of Christ am I bearing? We are image bearers, correct? In my workplace, when work is hard and the boss is driving everybody crazy, what does it look like you to disagree? Is it in a way that honors the Lord or are you not wanting the people around you to know whether or not you are a believer? We're called to go. Why not you? Look at verse 22. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. You see what's happening here? The Spirit's being poured out. People are coming to Christ. 
So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Everybody has a part to play in the church. That's the next thing I want you to see. Everyone, every Christian, if you have repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ, you have a part to play in the church. So what exactly took place here in Antioch? A church was planted. Here we see Barnabas on the scene again. Remember Barnabas? Means son of encouragement. Don't we love Barnabases? Don't we all need Barnabases? The church needs Barnabas. The mother church in Jerusalem heard of what was taking place and he was the right man for the job. Here's, here's the thing. Barnabas was a peacemaker. He knew how to be a big encouragement in, in light of everything that was going on. And notice what he does. He first celebrates. Verse 23, he came and saw the grace of God. He was glad. He was glad. Don't forget to celebrate the goodness of God in your lives. With all the negativity we encounter on a daily basis, isn't it important for us to take the time to see the goodness of God around us? You know, some people like to just focus on what needs to improve. Sure, we might take a second to acknowledge, oh yeah, it's great, but you know what, there's all these things that are bad. And so let's not focus too much on those things. We need to, we need to really focus on this because this is terrible and we need to work on it. And sometimes I can find myself there. <laughs> I, I, I'm really good at tearing myself apart. I'm really good at, at pointing out where I am struggling, where I'm falling as a father, as a husband, as a Christian, as a pastor, it's easy for me to do that. And sometimes that's all, all I do is point out, man, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. I failed at this. I yelled at my kids. I lost my temper. But as I met with a guy this week, I, I met with a pastoral coach of mine and was thinking through, I had to pause and I had to stop and thank God for all that he has been doing to realize that, yes, there are areas in my life I need to work on. No, we are not a perfect church, but there are things that we can celebrate. And Christian, if you are one that only sees the negative, surround yourself with a part of this. Praise God for people who are able to see what needs to be fixed. I think that is a good thing. But we also need to surround ourselves. If that's the way we are, we need to make sure we have those Barnabases in our life who can help us pause and say, wait, wait, wait. Yes, I know we need to work on these things. But don't lose sight of all that God has done. This is the beauty of how God's people work together, right? Like I'm naturally a critiquer of myself. I need other people to speak into my life and be able to point out God's grace. Now, for others, I like to see the good. It's kind of a weird thing. I, I, I'm not uber critical of other people. I like to see the good. I don't like to have conflict. I don't like negativity, and so I'd rather just talk about what's good. But the truth is I need to surround myself with people who have a more critical eye, those who are maybe seeing the negativity. But we balance each other out. We blend with one another. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ. In the church, we all have a part to play in this. 
So brothers and sisters, if you are one who's super critical and only came into the church and pointed out, that's, man, that needs to be different. Or, why is this? And the slides aren't changing quick enough. And why are we playing this song? And I don't like that in this. And we have to be careful of that. We have to remember and be able to see the good that God is doing. Aren't we all a big, gigantic pile of mess anyway? <laughs> but he's conforming us to the image of his son, right? Praise God, he's patient with us. Take the time to celebrate the wins. Life is difficult, and we need to see his faithfulness. Notice, though, that he also exhorted the people to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. To exhort, that means to encourage. It means to ask earnestly. It means to plead. It was imperative that they remain faithful to the Lord. Why? Because it's so easy to drift. Do you know as Christians we are either going against the current of the world or we're drifting with it? There's not really, we don't really stand still. Like you ever been in a strong river and tried to go upstream? Like you, you got to fight against it. You can't just really stand still. You got to be fighting against the current or the current is taking you. And we have to be careful. We are so easily distracted, aren't we? So easily distracted. This life is difficult, and we need to be reminded to remain faithful to the Lord. And I, I want to urge you this morning, are you connected to your Savior? Do you meet with him on a regular basis? Not because that's what you should do, it's because that's what we need. Because we are susceptible to have our attention drawn away from him. So much the world has to offer that pulls us away. I think of these things. I'm not saying they're necessarily bad. But we can all, all often find ourselves distracted by them. Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Other forms of entertainment that's easily at our fingertips. And we can often look to them more than God's word. And here's the thing. It's not, not legalistic for me to encourage you to watch the consumption of entertainment in your life. We can find ourselves thinking, well, here we go again. Like, I can't watch those things. That's not what it's about. But it's a, it's a matter of what are we filling our minds with. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things below. We have to be careful that we guard what is going into our minds. We are filling our minds with stuff every day. And if we have four, five, six hours of all of those things pouring into our mind and maybe we get ten minutes into the word of God, what do you think is going to be the output of that? What goes in is what comes out. And we have to be careful that we aren't allowing ourselves to drift from God. We can find ourselves doing that. Where we find ourselves binging for hours. Remember when binging used to be a bad word? <laughs> and when I was a kid, binging was like a negative thing. And now it's like they're advertising, hey, get your binge on. And you can watch all of this show in one time. You guys remember, those of you who are like 40 years old or older, do you ever, like, is it just me? Or did kids spend a lot more time outside <laughs> years ago? 
I mean, I, I, I remember being outside all the time, like playing wolf ball, tackle football, getting hurt all the time, getting dirty. It's okay, parents, if you allow your kids to get a little dirty. Is that right? We spent so much time outside. I'm not saying that sin still existed back then, right? It's just a little different. And today, it's like we got to force our kids to go outside. we got to force our kids off screens. That's become the go-to. And for me, too, I find myself guilty of this. And we get so distracted. And so we need brothers and sisters who can come and point out those things in our lives. We need people in our lives whom we can be real with. Why do we gather together in small groups? It's so that we can be known and that we can know others and that we can encourage one another because we're all tempted to drift. Hebrews 4, take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart causing you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We are all susceptible for that. Which is why we all have a part to play. Are you connecting with other believers in Jesus Christ? Again, not because it's a checklist and you should do it. Church has small groups, so I guess I should do it. We do small group because I see the need that we have to gather together. We need Barnabases in our life. We need people to encourage us. We need people to exhort us. We are distracted people. And we need God's grace. Every believer plays a part in this. So let's encourage each other. Let's hold one another accountable. Now, that doesn't mean that we just beat each other up. Sometimes we're faint-hearted and we need to be encouraged. Sometimes we're weak and we just need help. We need to hold each other accountable so that we don't drift in our faith. So that we... Remember what we are all called here to do. Glorify God by making disciples. Get into word, the word of God. Stop watching, binge watching Netflix instead. Why don't you binge read God's word? Imagine what would happen if we spent all the time that we spent towards entertainment that draws us away from the Lord. What if we flipped that? And spent that time seeking God and renewing our minds. The reason, here's the thing though. The further away we get from the Lord, the harder it is to get back. You're like, oh, well, it's so hard to read God's word. It's because you spend all your time pursuing the things of the world. And so whatever you spend your most time on, all those other things, you lose the taste for. It's like when all you do is drink regular Coke and you go try to drink Diet Coke, you're like, this is gross. And vice versa, you put away the regular and then you go back and you're like, this tastes like syrup. It's disgusting. Like that's what happens. The more we seek after God, the more we read and eat on his word, the more disgusting the world tastes. Have you seen that in your life? Isn't it true? You look out and you're like, man, I don't want that anymore. And so if you, have, if you find yourself struggling to get into God's word, maybe you need to consider the diet of what you are ingesting in your minds again this is why we need one another and notice what Barnabas Barnabas does here he realizes that he can't do this on his own and so what does he do he goes and he finds Saul 
he goes to Tarsus looking for him, and he brings him back. It's always good thing, good to do things in pairs, isn't it? Always good to take people with us. And together, they taught the believers in this new church. That's why we gather together on Sundays, to learn from God's word. That's why we meet in men's group and women's group, so that we can learn. That's why we do small groups, so that we can grow in our understanding of God's word. Because we are looking to be conformed to the image of God's son. Notice here it says, uh, the last verse in this section, this is where they were first called Christians. This wasn't like the Christians getting together and saying, hey, what should we call ourselves? Let's call ourselves Christians. No, this is what the world looked at them and said, who are these Christ followers? That's kind of what a Christian is, like these little Christs, these little Jesus. They're looking at these people and realizing there's something different. They were pursuing Jesus, and so that's why they were called Christians. Is there enough evidence in your life that people could call you a Christian, not because of you saying that you're a Christian, but because they see your life and realize, man, they're kind of obsessed with Jesus. I remember that as a high schooler, just wanting to grow in the Lord. And I had a buddy who uh, was a Christian, I think, but I was just wanting all about Jesus. And I remember him just kind of critiquing me, like, why are you so serious about him? <laughs> May that be the case for us. Not that we're just shoving it down people's throat, but here's the thing. Like, I love Jesus and I want people to know about it. Just like you guys know, if you've been here long enough, I like the Atlanta Braves. I love the Atlanta Braves. And when they won the World Series, it was an awesome thing. And I'm not ashamed that people know I love the Braves. So why do we find ourselves thinking, well, I don't want to shove Jesus down people's throat. If Jesus means everything to you, if you realize that your life was a mess, that you were headed towards disaster, but Jesus came and rescued you, why would you want to hold that back from people in your sphere of influence? why we need each other, right? Because we can all find ourselves in fear and afraid of what people would think. May God change that fear to fear of people spending eternity in hell because they don't know Jesus. Everybody has a part to play in the church. Look at verse 27. Now in those days, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So these prophets are hearing of all the work that's going on in, in, in Antioch. So here's the interesting thing. Now we say down, I, I'm going down when we're going south, right? Like if we're going to Florida, we're not saying we're going up to Florida. We're saying, hey, we're going down to Florida. Um, but here, Antioch is actually north, and the reason why they say down, anybody know why? Because Jerusalem was up high on a mountain, so they were going down to Antioch. And so great things were happening and Agabus goes and he foretells of this great famine that will take place. And the famine does take place. There is a famine that happens here. And the church in Antioch was moved and understood that they were part of the big C church. And that there was ultimately only one bride of Christ. 
And so they took up an offering in order to send relief to the brothers in Judea. Now, now Antioch was a big city. It had a population of 600 to 800,000 people. So just to put that in perspective, in Elkhart County, there's 220, 250,000 people. So this is a massive city. Chances are they were better off financially than their brothers and sisters in Judea. And so here's what I want us to take away from this. The goal of the church is to care for the church. Now I want you to know something. I didn't have a capital in there that I shouldn't. I did this on purpose. The goal of the little C church is to care for the big C church. We do realize, and I think we're all on the same page, that gospel community church is not the church, right? (laughs) We're not like the ultimate church and everybody else is underneath us. We are just a little local church, small C church that is building up the big C church. We are here to care for the big C church. We are part of the body of Christ which consists of thousands and thousands, maybe millions of churches. And that's a hard pill for some people to swallow. And even pastors sometimes can find themselves kind of wanting to protect when they hear of a new church plant. They're like, well, I, I got to protect my people. I don't want people, I don't want to lose my people to that church. Well, this is not about our people. We're all God's people. I'm a little shepherd serving the big shepherd who's shepherd over all believers in Christ. There's no competition here. For every person who has repented of their sin and placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, we all play a part in the same big C church. And because that is the case, we should be willing to help other churches that we hear of who are in major crisis. That's what we see here. The Antioch church wants to care. They wanted to care for the churches in Judea. We're sending Brad and Jen off to plant a church in the inner city. It's a hard place to go, and there's a good potential that the resources that we have here may not be available for them as they plant in this hard place. And the question we have to ask ourselves is whether we are willing to help out if real needs arise. And not just Brad, maybe there's other local churches who deal with really hard circumstances, are we willing to humble ourselves and realize that we're not the church, we're a church that's part of the big C church. Now listen, even in this, there's accountability. We're not, gonna send, we're not sending Brad and Jen there to have a vacation and enjoy all that Indy has to offer and, you know, they can do whatever they want to. We're not just throwing out money to people like that. But if he is faithfully preaching the gospel if he is living with integrity above reproach financially and things are just tight because the demographics of the church, then we are called to support our brothers and sisters in in Jesus. Amen? So let me ask you this. Do you ever find yourself criticizing other churches? Now, I'm not talking about those who are preaching a different gospel. There there are things that we are called to do for churches who are not doing that. Churches who are unfaithful to the gospel, we don't just support blindly. There are churches whom we condemn 
because we know that they're not getting Christ. But there are plenty of churches in our area that maybe aren't doing exactly what we think they should be doing, but the major things are the same things that we major on. And I, my pastor growing up always said this, major on the major, minor on the major. It was in, all th- in, in the main things we, we held together, right? In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. So things like speaking in tongues like that, I think there's a little bit of liberty there. But in all things, charity, right? We should love others always. And sometimes love means we come down hard, lovingly though, right? In love. But a church may not be everything you want it to be. They may have made decisions. You may be here because you didn't like decisions they make. And I'm not, I'm not downing that. But I'm saying is that it is much easier for us to criticize what other churches are doing. But how often do we spend time first praying for them? How often do we realize that we don't want everybody in Elkhart County coming here for church, do we? <laughs> Can you imagine 220,000 people in this building? I mean, that's like how many services would it take? We fit about 140 chairs in here. <laughs> that would be a lot of services. We need other gospel preaching churches in our area, don't we? And so let me encourage you. Before you criticize other churches, make sure that you are praying. For those of you who feel like churches are slipping from the gospel, why don't you pray and seek God and bring others together, maybe who are seeing the same thing. And instead of coming together to criticize what's wrong with that church, maybe you come together and pray and seek the Lord to move and open their eyes to see. And we need to be reminded, too, that there is no such thing as a perfect church. And for those of you who maybe haven't known it yet, this is not a perfect church. <laughs> the reason I know that is because I know who the pastor is. God's grace is sufficient for us, isn't it? His power is made perfect in our weakness. And I love what the church does here. They're not looking, well, what are, what are they doing down there? Why don't they get themselves ready in Judea? Like they had this warning, they should be preparing themselves now. Kind of like how we treat the homeless sometimes. Don't they get a job? We need to remember that we are called to glorify God by making disciples. And we want to see disciples made all around the world, not just here at Gospel Community Church. Not just here at Goshen, but Elkhart, Bristol. Napanee, Middlebury, all throughout. The challenge for me moving forward is, is I want to reach out to our area pastors. I want to pray about how can we team up. I, I think of the Vineyard Church right around the corner here. And we have this huge mobile home park that I think represents 6,000 people or more. My, my desire is to, how can we team up with Vine and reach people for Christ together? We need to remember that we're not just part of a little C church, but we're part of the big C church. And our brothers and sisters all over need prayer, don't they? Just like we want brothers and sisters praying for us. So as we close today, let me remind you. 
somebody has to go. Somebody has to go share the gospel. Why not you? You may be the only Jesus someone will ever meet. You don't have to go preach a message like I'm doing, but certainly you can go share how Jesus has transformed your life. Remember, every Christian has a part to play in the church. Everybody. We're doing this thing together. This church will rise and fall somewhat on the leadership, but also on the people. We're all called to play our parts. Some may be the face. Others may have a more obscure part, but the arm doesn't say to the toe that we don't need you. We are stronger together. Don't forget that. Remember, the goal of the Little C Church is to care and to grow the Big C Church. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercies that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the call. Lord, to go. I pray. I pray for Brad and Jen as they head to Indy and as they look to build a core team, as they look to to reach a, a part of the city that really, Lord, has not been reached. We pray that you would go before them, that you would surround them with other people who realize, why not them? Why shouldn't I go to help plant? Why shouldn't I leave this comfortable church in order to go do something hard? Because it's all about glorifying you, making disciples. Lord, would you bless Brad and Jen as they do that? Lord, would you help us? Lord, you may bring us to a point where it's time to plant a church somewhere closer around here and that may mean having to leave a place that we love in order to do something hard but God may we always have our yes on the table for you and Lord I pray for those maybe who are kind of sitting back and haven't put their hand in to serve Lord would you move in them to realize I want to be a part of this because not because it's a checklist because the pastor says it and because there's needs in the church because that's what you call us to do You've told us that you have equipped us in order to serve the saints. And so, Lord, thank you for all of those who are serving. There are many who are serving a lot. I pray that they would not grow weary in doing good. And, Lord, for those who are newer here, Lord, that you would allow them to put both feet in and be willing to carry whatever weight you've called them to carry. Lord, give us wisdom as elders in order to get them plugged in. Lord, help us to grow in better discipleship of our people, Father. Remind us, Lord, we all have a part to play. And Lord, keep us from competition, thinking that somehow we're in competition with other churches around the area. Keep us from our first thought being to critique. And Lord, let it be to pray for them. And I confess, Lord, I've often been guilty of that. I've often spent more time looking at the faults of others, less time praying. Lord, forgive me for that. Lord, thank you for your mercy this morning. Thank you that when we confess, you're faithful to forgive and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, open our eyes to see those things. Thank you that you are patient with us, Lord. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Lord, you are a good God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me leave you with a couple action steps here. First thing you can do, memorize Romans 12, 4, and 5. Let me just read that for you real quick. 
Uh, Romans 12 just kind of talks about spiritual gifts and things like that. And it says this, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, praise God. Not everybody's a preacher. So we, through many, are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. We belong to one another. We're called to serve one another. So memorize that this week. I pray, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12. That just goes, kind of goes in deeper. It talks about like how can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you. Like we are all, we all need each other, right? I encourage you to do that. The third thing there, are you serving? Are you serving? Have you found a place to use the gifting that God has given you? I encourage you, find a place to serve. If, if you're waiting on us, come back again to us. And we'd love to help you get connected uh, with that. But God has gifted you in such a way that you are called to use it to serve the church. And then I encourage you, pray for the church. Notice Big C. Pray for the big church. Pray for the churches around us. Pray that they would be faithful to the message and that people would come to Christ. There are many good churches around here. They may not do everything that we want. We may not like the things that they do. But may we still pray. The disciples are still being made. May we pray for the big C church. Well, so good to be here this morning with you. Uh, I hope you stay. We have lots of donuts, including caramel bacon donuts. And so here's what we need, those back three rows. If you're sitting back there, we're going to kick you guys out sooner. <laughs> uh, so if there's some people there who would be willing to help stack those chairs, uh, and we'll have coffee and donuts ready in about 10 minutes. Grab your kids, and let's, uh, let's hang out together for some fellowship.